You're listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And I'm very excited about this one. The ultimate example of why don't start hitting the table. See, we're not in the undisclosed location, so now Seth is hitting the table this time. I said I'm sorry. Roberto Clemente, how you doing today? I'm feeling good about my 3,000 hits on the button. 3,000 hits? I thought you stopped doing acid. Well, I did, but we're talking about the baseball player, right? Do you know the story of Roberto Clemente? I mean, Boston Red Sox, all-time Hall of Famer? Pittsburgh Pirates, outfielder, wonderful player. So I guess I don't know, no. I have his rookie card, though. Great you do. That's worth some money. Great human being. Around 73, 72, though, he died in a plane crash on a humanitarian effort. And he died with 3,000 hits on the button for his career. It's one of his distinguishing characteristics. Every time someone gets their 3,000th hit, they're tying Roberto Clemente on the all-time list. Well, folks, you're listening to Sports Radio here with Rob Turner. This is a big one, man. This is the ultimate example, as I've said in previous episodes, of why we like to be sitting down with a guest. Because we're not standing up? We're not being on the phone because there's no oh, way we yes. would have been able to go into the Stone stuff as much as we did if I wasn't able to read him and see that he was comfortable because I, I kind of pressed him on some of the Stone stuff. But, of yeah. course, that's deep in the interview. We start with his most recent stuff, with his solo stuff and all that kind of thing. We almost got political... But we didn't want to talk about Palestine and throwing stones. Yeah. There's plenty of political podcasts out there. There's also plenty of comedy podcasts out there, Seth. I should probably listen to some and take some notes, yeah, huh? Or just not try to bring it into the interviews. But this was a fun interview. That's Seth arranged. Seth is really close. I walked into the hotel room, and you guys were, like, chit-chatting away. Like, it was like you were a couple old, old buddies, which apparently you are. And you were talking about politics, right? That I learned later. <laughs> yeah, we Thank were. God I steered you away from that. <laughs> Uh, we were talking about a lot. We were talking about family. We are talking about friends. We were talking about the colonel. And we were talking about Trump. Yeah, the last, uh, that night of Hampton 70 at the Fox, um, before I came out to watch the encore, during the encore break, I had been speaking with Carl Denson because he was in the room next to where we were set up. And he was alone up there because he wasn't going to, he wasn't planning on playing in the encore, I don't think. Or at least initially he wasn't. I think he ended up getting called out there, but he wasn't planning it. So we had a little conversation, and I had it all set up to record him after the show to interview him. As you know, I contacted you guys. I don't know if you remember that. I remember. Because I was on the left side. The whole we also, We've talked about this like yeah, at least I, ten times on the I podcast. I had the worst luck that night with trying to get a seat because we didn't have tickets. I kept getting bounced around that room, but I ended up just way over on the left side. It kind of felt like I ended up where I needed to be. I don't know. Well, on that... So Whatever. thank you, Carl. This is the makeup for that interview that didn't happen that night. Well, the other thing, too, is uh, that, that evening that we did interview Carl, um, they were performing at the Buckhead Theater, which is not one of my favorite venues. I'll be straight up. But it was still a good show. Yeah, but that was the night really the, my favorite. the security guy hassled the yeah. taper. Yeah. Even though everyone around the taper wanted him taping the band. Literally, the band tour manager had to come out here and deal with this musclehead Buckhead Theater guy. Yeah, but that's not what I wanted to go. I wanted to actually oh, go into the fact. My that, bad. Yeah. Sorry, fan yeah. side. Yeah, yeah. You can, I mean, again, though, you, you know, you're like a, you reiterate the same stories over and over. Well, it's I, like I, talking I, about Tallahassee or something. Industry people don't care about this sort of thing, but to the fan side people, fans who, by the way, drive this industry and bring the money into it, uh, this can be important stuff. Don't hassle the tapers. All right, well, let me Annabelle this yes. for a second, because uh, Rob oh and I... Oh, my God, my dear friend. Rob insert, and I got to... name here. Carl had to, Carl had the pleasure of having dinner with Rob and I that night. <laughs> you know... <laughs> 
Carrie Romanoff came, and and you know what? Carrie joined us too. That was good. It's the beauty of Carrie because he came, and then at one point he he took a picture, (laughs) and I gave him hell about it. And most people would be like, "Don't tell me how to behave, Ryan." And Carrie just like rolls with it. He is like such a cool dude. He's so chill. Except for when he and Dave Van gets. He and you are similar with Dave Van. Dave Van, the photographer, who can be a little particular too. Yeah, he gets Van gets very. um, But you and Carrie love to like push Van into that zone. No, I just try to have conversations (laughs) with him. He's so touchy about so many things. Again, amazing photographer, but very, very short-triggered on the temperature. Well, thing. hold on. My press is... So, at any rate, what we were saying is, is we had dinner with Carl Denton that night and his manager and a couple other their lo- uh, friends locally. But and Carl, the, and the, the point I'm trying who, to make... And the is, keyboard player who oh, we talked about in the interview, Crouch, Kenny Crouch. Yes. Oh, he's so amazing. Such an amazing keyboard player. We talked about him in the interview, so I'll, I'll leave it for that. But my point is, on this whole tangent that we're going, is... Ah, um, oh, shit, I forgot. No, I'm kidding. Carl Denton holds court at a table very similar to Colonel. And that's what I was trying to he say. Really he, he really did. He really did. He really put, and, and we were talking about all sorts of funny, funny stuff. We started talking about the, uh, the article about Greece, uh, achieving Greece. And he, when you told Carl that story, yeah. his, I mean, literally, he showed us his arms, those big right. muscular arms he has, and the little hairs on his arms were raising. That was wild to see a musician who's impacted me so many times to be impacted by something I was saying. That was like tables turned. Yeah. I guess I'm a turner, right? You are a Turner, oh man! But yeah, it was a great, it was a great hang. Su- Carl's such a down to earth, homey person, such a good, good, good person, and um, really enjoyed being able to sit down with him. And I want to sit down with him a lot more. I think there's, we we just touched it, but he like like Rob said, Rob was able to read him, and Carl really shared a lot. And this is not your so uh, how did you know? Yeah, we talk about the story, of how he got the call, and the whole story about the Rolling Stones. But we really talk about what it's like to be in a band like that with such legends with such you know a huge um, number of songs that they have uh, you know what I'm saying and we talk about Bobby Keys a legend not just in Rolling Stone circles but big time legend in Rolling Stone circles he also is part of the whole TRI studios world mm-hmm. and I, I, that was part of that we, we talk about how Carl got in with Bobby and, and Bobby Keys is who he replaced Bobby himself recommended Carl to the Stones and very, so, very, very cool, Bobby. So we're going to get to the interview, but before we do, I just want to take a moment and... Osiris. Yes, Osiris Pod. Go to OsirisPod.com, sign up for their newsletter, because not only do they have a bunch of great like-minded podcasts about music, and, you know, like look at the road to now. I mean, they go into politics and all kinds of other stuff. There is plenty for you to enjoy there. But Osiris is going to be at a lot of festivals... And other events over the course of the summer. As a matter of fact, they were just at Delfast. There is an interview that you can see on the YouTube page. So if you sign up for their newsletter, you can learn about all this stuff. Also, you sign up for our newsletter because... Inside out, WTNS.com, and we will have a lot more information coming through the summer. We're going to be hitting the road. Maybe Rob's going to join me at Electric Forest. I'm going to be at Firefly Music Festival uh, in Dover, Delaware. And I'll also... So maybe you probably... Probably... Maybe that already happened by the time you listen to this. I don't even know. Uh, But... um, Dover, Delaware, Firefly, and then I'll be at both Electric Forest and Rob may be joining me for the second week of uh, Electric Forest. Seth doesn't know because we're cutting these segments. We're about to interview Eddie Roberts. We're at one of our Terminal West locations. This is the we're upstairs. One of our, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, we have a bunch. Well, we're not by the train tracks. <laughs> we're where we did Adam Deitch. We're in the balcony area above the Station Side restaurant, which is a great restaurant. You shocked me today. By telling me you've never eaten at Station Side, you've no. got to be kidding me. Well, I always eat the catering backstage. So. Oh, no, right. Well, <laughs> it's never from them. That. It's always from like Erskine or someone else. Bojanic, amazing Indian See, food. Seth, if you come through Atlanta, please stop by Bojanic. Enjoy a meal on us. Seth blasts backstage at any Please. show he's at. I'm not like that. 
No, no. Normally you don't blast. You blast to this backstage area and wait until no, someone lets you in. Normally I stay <laughs> away from the backstage. So uh, I want a big thank you to our team of folks. Um, Josh Dane. Uh, Josh Dane Productions. Um, Sully Harrison. Sully Sullivan. Good old Robert Kwan. The dashing and daring and drinky sharing Robert Kwan. And Ira Gross has been helping out a lot lately too. And he- also a big thank you to our friend, good friend and sponsor, Robert Pillay with Pillay Clark. Oh, I love Pelé Clark. You know, there have been a lot of interv- um, reviews of them online lately. Oh, really? They've gone on Twitter, so now they, they post them, and now yeah. I get to see them, and they're getting a lot of positive press in the financial press Would you world. say they're now more accountable? At any rate, so <laughs> Bad Jokes Are Us. Uh, if you want to go there, badjokesareus.com for more jokes. But really, folks, enjoy this interview. We, or rather, I hope you enjoy this interview. But let's just get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob, can you give us a big rock and roll entrance? Ladies and gentlemen, star of the Grey Boy All-Stars, star of Carl Denson's U- Tiny Universe, and star of the Rolling Stones. Although he'd hate for me to say that. He's not the star. He's just a member of the band. But he's in... The Rolling Stones, the greatest band in the history of rock and roll, so they say. Here is Mr. Carl Denson. That was the weakest, like, exciting rock and roll entrance I've ever heard. I don't want to overdo Ladies it. Ladies and gentlemen. You overdo Ladies stuff, Ladies and though. gentlemen. I'm not doing an auction overdoing it like the dog and pony show crap you do. And, and Although, let's say he does a great job. I just want to introduce to you all one more time. Um, he's a um, good friend of ours. I think he's a sax player and... He's here, and he's gonna play songs. Oh my God, he's here! Right oh now. God, he's in the room. He's having dinner. We're in it, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so we're now almost four years removed from New Ammo. We're with Carl Denson. Wonderful, correct, correct. Wonderful musician, frontman of Carl Denson's Tiny Universe, a man who has become a member of the Rolling Stones, and we'll talk about the front significance man, of that. Frontman of Carl Denson, backman of the uh, Stones. Horn. Sideman. Where are you standing on the stage now? I'm on the side. I'm, side. I'm definitely... Um, off to the side, but let's talk about his music first, and then get to that band, because they're they only play like twice a week. They're not like real real yeah, musicians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's now four years since you released New Ammo, which was a wonderful album. I think it had one of your most adventurous tracks on it. That the last track, did you write that? Odysseus. Odys- oh, what's which one is that? Odysseus. Odysseus. Yes. Odysseus. Yes, that's a uh, that's that's a kind of a band collaboration that we wrote years ago, but that is. One of our most adventurous tracks, for sure. 
But however, a lot of the other material was written just for that record, right? And you had started working with some of these musicians and reunited with others, right? Yes, yeah. It was kind of a... My records are um, always kind of aware, you know, where where I'm at right then kind of record. So that was kind of a, a good picture of what the band was doing at that point. You know, we were kind of soundtracky and and big arrangements you know now now we just finished our new record so um so now that this will be a nice snapshot of where we're at now now two things you said around that time now that we have the other record done i want to know how much they've stood um first thing you wanted to get into more complexity writing with these folks and then secondly you said it it would become less cumbersome moving forward putting together a record did that prove to be the case with this new record? no (laughs) (laughs) why were you thinking it would and then you know you know what it felt like we were at the place where we were going to be with the band um um and you know and then things change you you um i kind of i just gotten dj we were kind of rotating um guitar players the second guitar player and um and then we found seth and and then I, um, I I I just got back Zach Nager, who was my favorite drummer in the world, the the original drummer from the All Stars. He even sings once in a while. Zach? Yeah. Oh, oh, I have only hesitantly. I have proof in that back. <laughs> but yeah, he, Zach can sing. Zach can sing. He but he, but he's uh, he's he's a character. But he's the he's the best drummer in the world from my perspective. And so we got him. And then with Chris and. So it's just been, it's uh, it's an ongoing puzzle for me, and writing songs is a puzzle. Um, you know, I'm writing this new record is is pretty much all vocal tunes. You know, all all one instrumental tune on the record, and that's always a a, a task for me. You know, writing lyrics and and well, as a sax player, are you? I'm just curious what the writing process is for you. Are you sitting in front of a piano? Are you playing the guitar? What do you bring? Are you bringing just the lyrics? Are you bring the chord progressions? Like how much in the writing of the song are you doing? Uh, you know what? I, I've I've tended to write from. I try to write from melody. You know, like like um, you know, just singing a, an idea, and and working from there. Sometimes I'll sit down at the piano and flesh it out. And um, as of the last five, six years, I've been playing guitar, which has really helped the process. Um, but then comes the lyrics, and that's the bear. You know, it's just I'm, I'm a, I'm, I write music. And so learning how to write lyrics over the last 20 years has been really a task. And so um, this record, I spent a lot more time doing that and less time trying to show the band what to play, which turned out to be the smartest move I could have ever made. I got comfortable with my band over the last few years, like since New Ammo. I finally realized Chris Stillwell's the best play- bass player in the world. You can't, you can't, you know, I, I, whenever we're talking about, okay, we're gonna do the, we're gonna do some recording, who we're gonna use on bass? It's always Chris, because he's, he's so understated that but he's so funky that you always end up listening back to it, you know, a week later and going, "Ooh, that bass line right there is so sick," you know. And so, so I've 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 relaxed into that now. It's like that a I, creeper bassist. Yeah, man. He he's just he's just he's like he listens to those classic bass players like Jamerson and Carol Kay and um and um um. You know, just the, he, the the classic recording guys, and he's he's not flashy, but he's 
super, super solid. And so, um, so I relaxed into that. I, I got, um, Zach back on drums, who's like my favorite drummer. So I never have to worry about telling him what to do. So it kind of, I kind of grew into this thing of like walking into the studio now and because we started the record three years ago and did a bunch of recording and got the whole thing done. And then we looked at it and it was just a little too hodgepodge, you know, it was like some of this, some of that. And, and we weren't happy with how it was looked as a whole product. And so then I just wrote a bunch of new songs. And, and as of August, we went in the studio just before I went out with the stones um, in the fall and we, we knocked down 11 tunes in three days and they were all pretty much fresh. Like I walk in the studio and start singing, go, okay, here's, here's the, here's the, the, the hook, here's the melody, blah, blah, blah. And just let the band do their thing. And it was so easy that hopefully now we have, I have figured it out. So are you, are you producing that too? Or do you have a producer on these? No, I'm produ- I produced this. Okay. I, I used uh, I used Adrian Caseta from uh, Brownout for the first half of the record, um, but I wasn't quite sure of what I was doing. He did a great job, but but I, it was more the, the songwriting wasn't there. And uh, the second half, it was really just you know I got a bunch of songs. I think they're the right songs. Let's go record them. And I just went in the studio with the guys. And um, what I did use is. Kenneth Crouch, um, great keyboard player. Yeah, he was. He was. That's the guy I was oh, talking about. Oh, he's on Jam Cruise. Cruise yes. Oh my God, Rob, this guy. Okay. He is. He is so good. Like I don't. He's just so good. You know who he reminds me of? And I told him he's got to watch. He's got to check some some um, some James Booker out. He reminds oh, me of really? Booker in a, in a in a in a in a more sane kind of way, but but only slightly more sane. Such a nice guy too, right? He's got. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, he's, he's got that. When he gets behind the organ, it's just it's he's, just, he's ah. got full facility. Yeah, he just can play everything, and and um and and a super full great sense of humor when he plays. You know, so it's it's all there. So I I, I had him come in, and he kind of helped. You know, produce the thing a little bit. You know, watching watching what was going on, and um and then I got this guy, uh, this kid Elvert uh, Walltower, who's um of um. A, Sounds like, like a football player. Yeah. <laughs> a defensive end, specifically. Albert <laughs> Walthour. Yeah, he's a he's a good friend of John Staten's. Oh yeah, my old drummer, and um, and he's a he's been a choir director and you know a, a vocal guy his whole life. So I had him come in and help me produce the vocals, which was incredibly helpful. You know, like like somebody to say a little more diction on that, or let's put this background part against that it was really cool and so i i kind of feel like i got a team now and um you know like i go in i don't tell the band what to play i'd let them figure out their their thing and and then with seth on on slide it kind of balanced out dj so dj williams yeah balanced out dj and so his name seth i didn't realize that yeah seth uh freeman my my slide player okay yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah, i didn't realize that yeah does he ever interrupt the music with stupid puns (laughs) oh god no, that doesn't come with the name. That Some comes with the personality. But does he ever put people behind other people to trip people? <laughs> oh. That wasn't that, no. That was Jim that wasn't behind. Speaking of no, that was actually slightly stupid. It's close to the sun. I had Carl. I, I had someone hide. I'm a fan. I'm like Carl's going to get a cup of coffee, and we were doing this thing. It was it was the uh, sacks by the pool. 
or a sexy, you know, something yes, sexy yes, pool. Yes, yes, yeah. by the pool, yeah. And uh, with Carl Denson and Miles. Well, I think and, it was uh, and, and Dela. Dela, yeah. So I had oh. to fan go in like one of the big towel, um, kind of like chests, oh, you know, yeah, treasure yeah, chests. And she's sitting there for like 20 minutes because I'm like, yeah, he'll be right back. He's getting a cup of coffee. And Carl, I mean, he, he came back with a cup of coffee. And as soon as she shows up, she jumps out and he drops his coffee and just looks at me. He's like, oh, I'm going to get you. <laughs> And I'm worried about that day. Yeah, we're still waiting. It's, it's kind of like that. Um, what's that show? Uh, How I Met Your Mother. Oh uh, yeah. You know when they have the slaps? Oh, yeah, yeah. They get the free slaps. Yeah. They could come anytime, Seth. Oh man. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm very impressed by and uh, intrigued by uh, DJ Williams. You found him in Richmond. Who was he playing with? How did you find him? I've known him for a long time. It's really funny to, to realize that he's been playing with me for. Come on, seven years, I think, something like Time that. Sure does fly. And, um, but I've known him, I knew him for probably 10 years before that because I was going through Richmond back in, you know, early 2000s. He had a band called Project Logic yeah. out of Richmond, and we played a few shows with them, and he sat in with us a couple of times. And every time he sat in, it was just so easy. Like he just fit right in. So, I um, when when uh, Brian Jordan decided to leave the band, do his own thing, you know, that was the first person I thought of. I just go go see if DJ's available, and and it was a done deal. And I I consider him a a, uh, a he was a he was a, a very high mid season um, uh, trade, <laughs> you know, like we <laughs> we we got him under the trade under the uh, the trade guidelines and it, it's worked out really well well he seems to fit in with the live thing too given the versatility of what you do and given the uh rearrangements that you do it seems like the guitarist is pretty pivotal and you need someone who's nimble-minded to some extent exactly he is and he's very um he's yeah he's strong he's strong like it's kind of like the alan evans thing when i when i had alan you know um musically there were there were you know um like me and alan were always kind of in different places you know doing things but alan was always really smart and whether i agreed with his musical choice or not he did it like a man you know and that's kind of what dj brings to the band too it's like he plays like he knows what he wants to do where he's standing and that's really important sometimes when you're in st on stage you're in the heat of battle you want a guy that you know will go and 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 kill a couple of orcs on his own he's not waiting for you to tell him what to do well said well i owe it to our listeners seth we, we got to talk to you about the stones and, and there's one thing that i you may know to some extent but uh one of the reasons people were so happy that you got the gig isn't just that you put in your time and you're a great guy and everybody roots for you it's also the music business in general is such a fucked up place where a lot of the wrong people and a lot of real assholes benefit from it. And to see someone get a gig who really, really deserves it is really refreshing. And I think one, the music world, the larger music world, sends signs when something is just right. And to me, your sign was the fact that one of the greatest guitar-driven bands in the world decides to have you join. And where were you when you heard the, the news? What were you doing? I was actually sitting with, um, I was in my house with Dela from Slightly Stupid working on his record. Oh, I thought you were buying a guitar. I thought you were buying your first guitar. No, no. I was buying my first guitar 
when Lenny called, but I missed the call because it was a it was a um, 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 a restricted number. So right. I didn't answer it. I don't answer him either. Yeah, exactly. So so he called, and um, and I I was in Guitar Center when he called. Came out, saw my phone. That um, was that the door. I'll get it. Yeah. Tell him I just talked to the front desk, and we'll be out of here in a few. This is a very familiar situation for me, trying to get housekeeping to let me stay a little longer. Mm -hmm. So it's restricted number you don't answer. It's yeah. Lenny trying to tell you. So I head home, and he calls a couple more times, you know. So the third time, I'm like, I better see who this is. And I'm sitting there with Dela, having just bought my first guitar. We're working on his record. And um, and I pick up the phone, and it's Lenny, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's, he's like, you know, I got somebody that, that needs a sax player to go on the road now. And I, <laughs> I was literally, at that point, it was one of those weird things where, you know, you come to a point where you've been kind of striving and trying to get things moving in a certain direction, and it's not really going any faster than it's been going. But you finally have come to terms with it, and you're like kind of at peace. I was at peace with my life. You know, I was doing my band. I was doing Great Boy All-Stars. I was doing Slightly Stupid from time to time. You know, um, I done weddings and bar mitzvahs on the side. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm every po dog and pony show I can get my hands on, you know, just paying the bills. But I kind of stabilized and, and kind of had it under control. So, um, so I was, I was just, you know, cool with what I was doing, and I was tired, and I was just gotten off the road. So I was like, okay, um, I'm not really interested in any more gigs. I don't need any more gigs. I'm cool. And Lenny was like, "No, I think you might want to check this one out." And, and uh, is a good one. The best chefs. And so Dela is sitting there, you know, one of my best friends, and uh, and we're working on his record. And I and I'm I'm listening, and I look at I look at Dela and go, "Lenny Kravitz, are you telling me that you're offering me the Stones gig right now?" And he goes, "Yeah, well, I mean, they're looking for a sax player, and I just put your name in the hat, you know." So, is it true that Lenny suggested you, but Bobby Keys is the reason you didn't have to, that you just got it? No, no. It, Bobby Keys was just sick. Right, but I had heard that Lenny suggested you, but then like, Bobby, Bobby was aware of you through TRI or something? Bobby, uh, we definitely were aware of each other, but I don't know how much he had to do with that. Um, I know it, it was mainly that Lenny was very close to Mick and, and, and recommended me. And so um, I think the fact that we had done sticky fingers a few years before had a bigger impact because you know i lenny sent him a couple of tracks you know sent him a couple of lenny kravitz tracks with me playing solos on it and then i sent them um uh, a track with me playing with government mule where i was playing playing big and then i played you know sent them a, uh, the recording of me playing um can't you hear me knocking you know where i'm playing kind of small like, I got range, dudes. Yeah, and uh, and I think that was probably the, the biggest deal. You know, when I'm when I look at the camp, I probably I think, you know, they heard that I could play jazz, and they heard that I, you know, had a lot of reverence for Bobby Keys, which I always have. So, and their fan base does too. I don't know if, how many of you. Oh, everyone knows the Rolling Stones, but for those of you who aren't hardcore, he was very revered and very treasured among the Rolling Stones. Well, fan he's base. he was. I mean, I'm only. I, I listened to 
story after story now over the last four years about Bobby Keys, and the guy was a freaking character. You want to share one? Um. <laughs> well, there's we 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 have um, there's Isabel and uh, and Caroline. Isabel does ward uh, does wardrobe. Caroline does makeup, and they are two awesome English ladies, and they. Um, and they were very close to Bobby Keys, and he nicknamed them Fluff and Puff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it's just, and, and they they go on and on. I mean, there's the, there's always a story, you know, of of him of him uh, filling the the tub with with champagne, you know, for for some woman that he had, you know, hanging out with him. He he decided he would fill the sh- hotel. The, the tub with champagne. These are big tubs. These are nice yeah. hotels. That is you, welcoming, though. You know now 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 according to uh, you know some of the other guys in the in the band. Of course, there was some water in there. It wasn't pure champagne, <laughs> but but you know I mean the guy would routinely spend more money on the road than he made, oh, wow. and he's making a lot of money, so he's having way too much fun. He's like a mad dog and an Englishman. Yeah. Oh, here's a, here's a great story, Daryl Daryl. Uh, told me this story he said they were hanging out one night Daryl Jones bassist yeah and somebody and somebody brought over a lot of weed for him and Bobby and they were leaving the next day so way too much weed to to smoke you know Daryl doesn't smoke that much anyway so he had a little puff and then had to basically give give all of his weed away to somebody else and (laughs) but he knows Bobby's not giving it away but he's not sure so they get to the to the airport, Uh-oh. and they're they're getting on the plane, and he's already on the plane. He's looking out the window, and there's a you know the the the, the immigration guys have a uh, have a dog, a weed sniffing dog, you know, and um, and <laughs> Daryl's watching, and Bobby's walking along the the walkway, and and the dog you know immediately looks at him and starts to react and starts to you know make noise and and, and Bobby's thinking I hope he's just a fan <laughs> and Bobby just calm as ever walks over and starts petting the dog <laughs> and Daryl's watching this out the window and he's just like wow you know and Bobby gets on the on the plane and and Daryl's like dude where's your weed and he goes and he shows him where it's at and he goes how'd you do that and Bobby just goes Man, you just gotta act like everything's all right all the time, <laughs> you know. And it, he was just that guy. And there's, I mean, there are literally. I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to start writing them down because, I mean, just sitting with with Tim, you know, uh, the other sax player, who the one who finds you all the gigs when you're on the road, the tweener gigs, huh? Doesn't he find you the gigs? Oh yeah, when you yeah. play in between the stones gigs, to yeah, keep fresh. exactly. And 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 we sit. We're like um, we're like the two Muppets, you know. In uh, oh, the old the, men, the old men. Yeah, we're yeah. like the old men because we only play, that. you know, <laughs> 30, 40 minutes out of a two-hour show. <laughs> so we're sitting back in our little tent, you know, at, the, at night talking about everything in our lives, you know. And so he's told me such great Bobby stories, and and um, I, I really need to start writing them down because. They're, they're pretty amazing. Just record them on your phone. We'll make a podcast out of it. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, what? What? The first time you walk in, how do they usher you in? How do they initiate you uh, into their world? Um, do they just start with the big vamp song, the Brown Sugar, and miss you and get? You, to- you know what? It was really cool, man. They they um um 
you know, so a week later after that, um, after I sent them songs, I had a, I had a Skype meeting with Mick, and and um, is he all business or is he joking around? Is he, it? he was very he was pretty business. I mean, Mick's Mick's very he get to the point guy, you know, but but it was awesome. It was like a fifteen minute call, and and actually we were in the studio working on Dale's record, and Dale recorded it on his phone, so I still have that Skype call, but um. Um, so I, I, I finished that and then, and then, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to die. You know, there's no way I'm getting on a freaking plane and going to play with the Rolling Stones. Something's going to happen. I'm going to die before this materializes. Right. You know? And, um, so I get to, I get to Australia and, uh, and I show up at rehearsal and there, you know, I'm in there with the Stones and I, I meet all the guys and, and is it a theater, an arena? Or no, it's a, a it's a big giant rehearsal space, like a like a small hangar. Because I figured Sydney Opera House or something. So then, the then no, 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 we're we're at a rehearsal place. I know. You know? I still thought. Yeah. So then, what happens? Though? I mean, do you jump on stage or is it like, oh my god, look at you? We got to go to the gym. <laughs> Nick and you were on just treadmills meeting. No, no, we we we, we sat that. Well, I mean, I just sat. I I went and I went to my space and uh, and. You know, and they just started rehearsing. And rehearsal with the Stones is the best thing ever because they they as as uh, um, um, I can't think of her name right now, but but um, their original singer, she she would say, "What's her name? Come on, for the Stones, the the last one before the one who said give me shelter with um, no no not not that just just recently like as of five years ago she." She just left the band. Um, yeah, why am she, I blanking on her name? She would go off, and Mick would bring her front stage. Yeah, yeah. I'll think of it in a second. We'll add it to the liner. Yeah, notes I'll think of it in a second. And um, but she time. said, she said it's really great because they, they, it's like they try on all the songs. So you sit there and you get to hear all the songs. Right. You know, like not just the 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 twenty that people hear live, but you get to hear all these random songs. You know, and like. You hear them play Ruby Tuesday and go, "Oh my God," you know, or or shattered. And so, are they surveying the the other members at all? Hey, what do you guys feel like throwing in this tour? Is it all just Mick picking? The- no, it's 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 the four of them and Chuck Lavelle, kind of. Those are the the they're they're the they're the brain trust. So it wasn't like you can't go to them. Hey, let's play Dancing with Mr. D, and the next thing you know, they bust out. Hell no. Not at all. <laughs> no, I'm 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 in my I'm staying on my lane. My lane is when a sax part comes up that's designated for me. I play, you know. That's it. I'm not. I'm I'm the new guy. So right. I'm basically trying not to go to the principal's office. Um. So, you know. And then when they, of course, you know, the first day they get there, we played. Um. Um. I got the Brown Sugar solo, and I just lucked up on the fact that I think because of my kind of affinity for the Bobby style and the fact that I'd just done that record, I lucked up and, and they gave me both those solos, you know, um, Brown Sugar and um, uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking. And and then within, you know, the next year, they did the anniversary of Sticky Fingers. And so we they just did that record and I got to have both those solos, which was amazing and, you know, and, 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 and kudos to Tim Reese because he, the guy is such a good guy. He, you know, I mean, he, he plays still the majority of the solos because he's been there the longest. But the fact that I got those two right off the bat and they, and they were kind of like featured at that moment, 
the guy was so cool about it, and and I I totally love him for that because I, there was never any vibe, and when we become really good friends, and and it's awesome. So what kind of feedback? Like, like, does Jagger go back and listen to the recordings and say, "Hey, a little more of this, a little more like that"? Do you get any feedback, or is it all just um, pretty much on my solos? Um, you know, I know what I'm. I know what it is. You know, luckily, I feel like, you know, it was a perfect spot because I really love Bobby Key, so I listened to all that stuff a lot. So when I played him, the only thing the only thing that happened, my, my one trip to the principal's office was I, I um, we were playing Brown Sugar, and, you know, it's the first time I played it, right? So I played the solo, you know, kind of very similar to Bobby Key's, and then we get to the end vamp, Mick and... And Ronnie kind of looked over at me like, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, like, play something. You know, so I thought, oh, they want to hear me blow. You know, they're vamping it out, right? So I start ripping, you know. And um, so after the, after they finished the song, Daryl kind of sidles up to me and, and says, hey, um, so at the end, you know, um, you know, kind of grab this lick with me, you know, and, um, and he plays boom, 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 do, 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 brown sugar. Oh, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So I do that like four times, and then I then I solo, and he and he's like, eh, it's not really like a solo, you know, and I and it's like ding, 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 you know, because we had we had played the record, but it was been three years ago, you know, so I kind of forgot that Bobby kind of vamps out with the the guitars. You know, he's really just just kind of riffing with the band. He's not soloing over it. So, so, so I was like, okay, I got it, got it. So I went back to the hotel that night and I listened to the song. I was like, oh shit, that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> and um, and so then the next day we had dress rehearsal, and the in the big stadium, you know, and um, you know, so we get there and. And um, Daryl, like, right away comes up to me, and he's like, yeah, I just want to make sure you're straight on that thing. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I listened to it. I totally know what you're talking about, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, huh, you know. And he goes, yeah, because Mick, Mick, you know, asked me if, if he should say something, and I was, and I said I would say something. So I was like, oh, crap. You know? <laughs> and so, uh, so, so, so then after, after sound check, I'm, I'm back in the back practicing, and, and then Mick's... Uh, one of Mick's security guys comes over and says, "Hey, uh, Mick would like to see you in his office." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh crap! I got to go to the principal's office." You know, so so I go in there and it was it was it was no big deal. You know, he's just like, "I just want to make sure you were straight on that." And I was like, "Yeah, dude, I totally listened to it. I know exactly what I what I didn't do." So so I'm cool and you know and so now now it's it's totally fine. But that was just that was my one incident where I was like, "Oh, okay." Pay a little more attention here. This is not, you know, Carl Denson's tidy universe. This is this is the Rolling Stones and although two Carl Denson fans, that's the greatest brown sugar ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of dichotomies in that world, isn't it? Though I mean, it's like the music of the working man, gritty, yet it's the most ostentatious backstage in the world. You know, they're so casual and and loose on stage, stumbling around, smiling, looking like they're barely, but they're so calculated in what they do and Dude, so well rehearsed. Dude, those guys are they, and that was another thing is like seeing these guys at seventy years old yeah. working so freaking hard. It was they, they rehearse stuff cold, right? It, it was it. I mean, they but they they do like three weeks of rehearsal. Yes, and they get in there and in a five hour rehearsal, they play four hours plus. 
You know, like they take little again. Break. They're in their late seventies. You know, it's like well, they're, no, they're in their early. Early, 70s. okay. I thought they yeah. were easy okay. tiger. Hey, now, yeah. sorry, yeah. I got them someday. I, my beard went gray, and everyone's much older. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we feel, we want to we want to think that, but it's it's not that big of, of a gap. You know, they they. Um, I mean, Mick would get in there and and sing four hours, like singing, like that's rough at my age. You know, and he'd get in there and sing four hours, and I was just like, whoa, these guys are serious, you know? It, like, really put everything in perspective. Does he still seem excited, like, when they break out a new song from the new blues oh, record? Yeah, they, or they, Dancing with Mr. D, like I mentioned. They, they really are enjoying their their huge, amazing catalog. But, I mean, even the minutia of, like, the excitement of... The night before they're going to play Dancing with Mr. D. Is that as exciting to them at all as it is to the fan base? I don't know about that, but I know that they are very excited about playing music. They're, you know, they're just like, they're in the honey hole, you know, and they, yeah. and they know it, and they're not fronting on it. You know, like they, you can see the, 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 the joy in their faces when they see each other, and they're talking about music, and they're, and they're talking about the set, and they're talking about what they're going to do. You can see that they're really having fun because they made it, and they're, you know, now, now it's kind of their, they just get to roll with the roll with the with the flow for the rest of their lives and play great music. You know, I asked Keith once. I go, "Do you ever get tired of this huge catalog and this great catalog?" And he goes, "He goes, no, because you write the song and then it gets recorded, and that's kind of like the uh, the the picture of it. That's the that's the the still of it. But the but the thing is so much bigger. So over all these years." I've gotten to elaborate on all these little things about each song, so so they're just really having a great time with their with their own great catalog. And then even because of that, but yet aside from the Stones, like we alluded to earlier, Tim Rees sets up these gigs in between the gigs, literally all over the world. Yeah, you know what? And I want to make a I want to make a shout out right now to people who like who love jazz and love the Rolling Stones. Tim Rees did a did a couple of records. Um, I can't think of the name of them off the top of my head, but the uh, actually I'll look them up while I'm talking. But they are. We did it. We did the first show we did, where, um, you know, he invited me. It's like, hey, we're doing the show, and uh, and, and want want you to come and play. You know, so. Are they promoted, or are they generally kept low key by design? I mean, they're they're promoted. They're promoted. I mean, they're they let them, they let people know, um, but it's it's uh. Oh, so it's one of them's called Stones World, and the other one's called Rolling Stones Project. And we'll Tim, that out too. Tim Reese, and they, and and so, so he says, you know, we're gonna do, we're gonna. He said, he said you can bring a couple of tunes, and we're gonna do such and such, and and then we're gonna do some of my arrangements of Rolling Stones tunes, you know. And I wasn't expecting anything, you know, extraordinary. I just thought, oh, this could be fun or it could be cheesy. But I get there, and these freaking arrangements, Tim is like a badass. And he plays piano like Herbie Hancock. So there's like these Rolling Stones tunes with these great arrangements and all these great guests. And, you know, Keith's on a couple of tracks, Mick's on a couple of tracks, um, Charlie's on a couple of tracks. It's it's like, but they're amazing arrangements of these songs. And I'm, and I'm standing there the first time hearing them going, how many times have you guys played this stuff? together you know because they're complicated arrangements and daryl's playing bass the first time we did it and bernard's singing 
and uh, and then Tim's like, oh, no, I made I made a couple of records like this. So I go get the records, and I'm just floored, like, dude, this is some of the best shit I've ever heard, you know. And um, so so guys, check out those Tim Reese Rolling Stones projects. They're really really good, and they're not they're not like they're jazz records, you know. It's like they're not trying to be want to be rock records. They're jazz records, and they're it's heavy players and heavy playing. Which these side gigs are in between the stones. Charlie plays some of those, right, with you? Yep, yep. Yeah, we we I played the blues with Charlie a couple of times now. But none of the other three, right? No, <laughs> no. They they don't they don't generally sit in on on those gigs. Do they disappear like between gigs? Do they disappear? I mean, everybody's kind of on their own thing. You, you know, we, I mean, we're we're only played twice a week, so everybody kind of chills and does their own stuff. And and those guys are. You know they have security and they have to really organize what they're going to do. I did have one night in uh, in Chile where um, um, I was you know I wanted to go get a great steak. You know they're famous for steaks down there, so I I found this great steak place and and so I started inviting some of the guys to go and I went over to to Keith and said hey hey um, I'm I found this great supposed to be a really good steak. Um, and uh, we're, we're making a reservation, so if, if you want to come, and he's like, "Oh yeah, maybe I will," and, and lo and behold, his security guy calls me like a half, an hour later, and it's like, "What's the name of this restaurant?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's such and such," and 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 uh, sure enough, man, they went down there and and, and you know scoped the place out, and then Keith, this- and, <laughs> Keith and Ronnie show up, and we have this huge dinner, you know, and I'm sitting right next to Keith Richards all night, so. You know that was kind of my, that was kind of when I when I, I I got to know him that night and we drank this amazing wine and it was pretty even, you know it's one of those moments where you're like, dude, I'm sitting next to Keith Richards, and we're hanging, and what does he love to talk about? Like what do you you bring up that his his face lights up? Little he, Walter, yeah man, he likes to talk about music. He's a music guy all through and through. You know, um, but he uh, he he reads a lot. And and um, actually, we were talking about he he actually reads um, he likes to read ships logs from time to time. Say ships logs, like, ships. Okay, like, like old, said chips. I was like thinking like, potato chips. I'm like, like, like old ships logs. Yeah, oh, that's I've heard of this. Right. I've heard of this. Yeah, you could find some really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Day forty-seven. Like yeah, that kind of exactly. Stuff? Yeah. You know, like really, like real life shit. You know, he said some of them get really interesting. You know, you're out there and. I mean, it's like it's like reading Moby Dick, you know. I, I, I that's one of my 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 claims to fame was I read Moby Dick a few years ago, and uh, my my Dave, my keyboard player, always laughs because it took me forever to read it, you know. And it's so boring, but it's so interesting at the same time, you know. It's just like day one we're here, but then you you learn what ambergris is, and and you know, and and it's it's pretty amazing. But he, yeah, Keith is a He's an interesting. He's an interesting cat, man. Well, I'm glad you guys went to a good steakhouse. Last time I was in Chile, I went to a steakhouse. It wasn't so good. It was actually. I was told they had the best steak in town, mm-hmm. and it was. I found out the place was a brothel. The place was called Mistakes. <laughs> that's better than most. That's better than most. Yeah, that was, that was so <laughs> fairly fairly clever. He, you just dredged that up, right? Yeah, just yeah. Now, no, I actually shut myself up a while ago and let you finish talking, which is a first. So you're, you're, the best was the insect imitation during the Vince Herman interview. The best steak, actually, that I had over there was in um, Buenos Aires at the Four Seasons. 
their steak crushed all the uh, all the local steaks. Yeah, but they use you know they, it, they use five seasons. Seas, what do you call it? Chinese five seasons? Five spice. Ah, fuck! I ruined it. Oh, I'm out of here. Bye. Good night. All right, I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go a little unorthodox. He's humbled. <laughs> One but he thing, won't stop. Sometimes I hear about shows in advance and then don't hear about them afterwards. And it, it occurred to me, your 60th birthday bash, which is now over a year ago. What do, what, do you remember that at all at the Fillmore? Yeah, who, I do. Who showed up? Who played with you there? And how, how, I, had, um, that? I had uh, Mike Dillon came down. Um, Love um, him. Let me think now. Well, here, I'll make it help you. Oh, oh uh, um, 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 Jackie Green. Um Slightly stupid guys. Um, who else? Because it was like a really mixed bag, and it worked out really well. Who else? Oh well, that's all right. Um, also, you just got. There's a new festival in Denver. Oh, the new uh, Superfly one. Yeah, it's called Grand Doozy. You're oh, my my kids think I'm cool because of that. You're on a bill with Kendrick Lamar, Stevie Wonder, uh, De La Soul. I know, I know that. That's. So the last question I'll ask that has anything to do with the Stones. Now that you're in a position when you're on when you're in the Rolling Stones, can you put it through channels through the through the band that hey I'd love to sit in with Stevie Wonder or would that be considered overstepping your bounds? Wouldn't you love to sit in with Stevie Wonder? I guess yeah that I, that would be overstepping my bounds, but it would probably be you know not out of out of reason. But it's not. It, but for if I know you well enough, you're not the type of person that would go ahead and say hey. You know, can I? You'd be like, you know, I'd really enjoy that one day, or it come in conversation, just kind yeah, of manifest yeah. Itself. I mean, I'm not that guy. I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't try to rush somebody else's stage for any reason, other than that they know me and and want to hear me play. See, I would think doing it through the channels is the opposite of rushing it. I would think trying to force it in the moment when you're there would be the way that would be more. Yeah, I mean, still, I. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. I wouldn't put him on the spot like that. Is know? he someone that you'll go out of your way to see if you're at the festival? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I saw him back in seventy five, seventy six, when he um um, right before he released Intervisions, and he played the whole record. Mm. Oh wow! At a at a festival. Oof. What festival? They had festivals back then. I think yeah, it was kidding. called. Um, I, it might have been. Um, it was at the Hollywood Bowl, and it. I think it was actually the year that they moved the Newport Jazz Festival. They had like some. It was a Playboy. They had some riots at, at at Newport Jazz Festival the year before. For some reason, I don't know what. Probably the, overseeding. They get pretty. I don't know what the I don't know what the deal was, but the they, GA the ter- people get very territorial. That would be my but, only guess. But they in seventy five, you think? Yeah. And so and they moved it out to L.A. for a year. Wow. And I think it was that one. And um, but man, it was so good. So I've seen him. I've seen him a few times, and it's always amazing. But yeah, I'm gonna definitely see him this time. And I'm I'm uh, I already told Eric to not book anything around that weekend because I'm right. gonna go with my kids. And we're gonna hang. The kids out. are more excited about Kendrick, I imagine. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm more excited about Kendrick. Yeah, Kendrick has breathed new life into a genre that needed it. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, you know what? He just—I mean—he made there. There's, there's a there's a, a new crew of of um, of rappers. J Cole, Chance the Rapper. Exactly, Drake. You know, like that thing that happened where it's it's become conscious and it's become sensitive and it's become less about who I am as opposed to how I feel. Yet maintained its the best ones still maintain the edge. In well, so doing. there's the musical genius that's just over the top. You Can know, like like and, and 
J. Cole, you said sure. the right one. That J. Cole to me um, is, I mean, like Drake old Drake, you know, those two came before Kendrick a little bit and they were like dropping that real heavy musical knowledge along with the, with the, with the, with the, with the, with the speech. And then, you know, and then you have Charles Gambino and, and uh, um, Chance the Rapper, you know, who've, who've come alongside Kendrick. And it's just such a great environment right now for music, you know, for what's happened where you're, we're finally getting away from that. You know, like I like my son loves hip hop and I and I turned him on to very cool hip hop when he was young because I didn't want him to listen to that radio bullshit. But um you know, sometimes he'll play something for me, and he likes very underground hip hop. And I'm just like, you know, sometimes I, I'm not really down with, you know, music that sounds like they don't have mothers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I, I had a friend, I had a friend years ago, who was like one of the funniest people in the world, and I thought, you know, he just was super funny and super different take on everything. And I was like, dude, you should start doing stand up. And he was like. Man, I can't go up on stage and say this stuff and have my mom hear it, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, I I feel like some of the some of the hip hop out there just it's just too irreverent, you know. It's too it's it's too thoughtless in terms of like what people hear. Where mm-hmm. you know, it is real life though, well, you know. So I'm not trying to censor real life, but it's for but for me, I needed something that 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 spoke more to like people's needs than just their wants. Well, and back. I feel like that's, that's what's, well said. That's what's happened. Speaking to people's needs more than the wants. But, but, yeah. go, but go back to even to like when hip hop was start, starting to really develop in, uh, in, in New York and whatnot. I mean, I'm thinking the whole time you're talking, I'm just thinking about Grandmaster Flash and how he basically was, was putting on display the music that you play. I mean, the music you play now is, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, all the breaks and everything that he was showing and, well, and pr- putting out there was, you know, sampling I'm, all that. I mean, we totally got, got our start really from, um, you know, as far as the Grey Boy All-Stars go, we, we totally heard it. Um, between me and Grey Boy, especially, we heard it as they started sampling the music that we like. Mm-hmm. You know, when they started sampling kind of, kind of the jazz element, you know, when they started sampling Horace Silver and Boogaloo Joe Jones and, and things like that, we were like, whoa, this is an opportunity. Like, I saw it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the the whole genre, I mean, of hip-hop in general, you know, from the beginning to, to now, is really, it's it's an amazing legacy because you have to really connect it to jazz and to, you know, black culture in America, you know, and how it's basically where's the party, you know, and the party creates the music and all these different styles of music have been created over time mm-hmm. just based on where the party is, you know, and 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 that that's that's the beauty of it is, you know, there's some stuff going on right now that we're not aware of because we're not kids and we're not looking for the new dance thing, you know, but uh-huh. it's but it's happening. Well, that's why I thought Guru and us three were important because they were. Provided that bridge, yeah, that's three. You know? Exactly, exactly. They they were they they were the ones that started sampling those records. You know that that it's kind of like you you had a bunch of guys that were just looking for big beats at mm-hmm. first, so they were going to rock records, and then when they ran out of big beats on vinyl, they started going to 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 cooler grooves. You know, and so then you had Guru and and 
um, DJ Premier and and DJ uh, Premier who worked with Buckshot Lafont. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they started grabbing these cool grooves, and then you end yeah. up with De La Soul uh-huh. and Tribe Called Quest, and then all of a sudden you're deep into a jazz vocabulary and a jazz artist like Charles Lloyd I guess would be a good one who were embracing of it right yeah yeah exactly and then you have um, um, you know and then you have the roots happen which is like the penultimate like expression of 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 knowledge of digging in the crates and musical ability oh yeah it's like they dug in the crates and then created that live and you know, now it's like that's that's my go-to band. Who ever thought that the Tonight Show would be? I mean, think about growing up. Who ever thought the Roots would be the Tonight Show band? I mean, just, exactly, that's just, dude. Who, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Questlove. I, I was reading our, our, our interview of his years ago, and he said, you know, he's like a Soul Train uh, mm-hmm. aficionado. But well, he's 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 huge and, on vinyl. His and, whole and he story said, is and amazing. he said, and he said, if he uh, if he knew what was going to happen, he would have he would have been researching the Tonight Show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. Before we run right, out of time, Rob's got a bunch of stuff in his hand. A little unorthodox here, but my okay. friend Ira Gross, huge fan of yours, has been taping you for years. So I'm going to throw some CDs at you, and you're welcome to keep them, first okay. of all. Okay. And any comments? This first one is you playing in a duo format at Irving Plaza with Chris Wood. Ooh. That's very cool. Do you remember you know, that? What are your thoughts on Chris? Uh, you know what? We have, a, we have a record that will be released at some point. We, we made a duo record. We we made a duo record. That's Chris calling. He's like, wait, get, get yeah, the record. Yeah. <laughs> Give him the record. Let him so play the made, record. Tell him, tell him we're, we made we'll a, du- a we made a duo record and um um it called um um what's it called peasant something, but um um it will be released at some point and hopefully we'll do some more work together. But Chris is a phenom. He he plays everything. He, he's a great jazz player and great reader and great you know thinker. Just an amazing cat. He's on this one, too. You actually do an improv and the title it, Chris, and then Lenny joins you. Do you remember that night? That's from August of 2000 at the Bowery Ballroom. Any memories of that night? I don't have any memories of that night. All right, how about this one at Chipotina's about a year after that? Lenny's out there the whole show, playing drums that, and guitar. You know, the, what I remember about that show was, was nobody knew. He, he was unannounced, so, so he, he showed up and we started playing. And then the second set... There were nothing but women in the front, like, like all the dudes had been ejected to about thirty feet back. Well, it's the opposite of when Trey sat in with MMW in Austin. The exact opposite happened. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more aggressive. Fish fans are aggressive. I was one of them. I have. To yeah. Admit. Go yeah. ahead, those. Go ahead. So yeah, the and women uh, have take over the front. Yeah, which and, is the way it and, should be. And yeah, speaking of that, one time I was talking to Chris Wood and. and uh, uh-oh. And and we were we were talking about um, you know girls in the audience and I said I said you ever have this happen with the girls in the audience and blah 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 and he goes you have girls in your audience <laughs> <laughs> he does now when he plays with his brother oh yeah he does oh, yeah yeah ah uh, let's see well no what you were going to tell us about Lenny with all the women up front was oh yeah else? I mean that was it that was just it, just, oh. it was just funny funny how the first set was like our regular crowd. But once they realized Lenny was in the house, the second set, we took a break, and there was nothing but women in the front. Because they, 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 the yeah. they moved the guys out of the way. Yeah. So, Childish Gambino's from Atlanta. You have a lot of history in Atlanta. You used to do these theme Halloween shows. I have two of them here. We missed the Halloween shows. I will let you know that. Yeah. Oh, Carl Denson's Amish universe. Carl Denson's scary universe. Have, Here's two oh, of these. Oh, God bless you. 
Uh, there's the also Amish universe. This, that was the funniest thing ever. Which is really about the acoustic set that opened. <laughs> yes. Acoustic Spanish Castle Magic. That takes some <laughs> cojones, man, to drop that. <laughs> that was um, Zach Major was was with us back then. That was that was incredible. Um, those those Halloween shows were really some of the funnest things we ever did. You know that one we did. Wait, what do we have? We have, the, we have the Amish and the scary one. Yeah, yeah, the I scary one. The, the scary one. I was in. Uh, I was. I, I did a very um, elaborate werewolf. It was like like putting putting gum on my face and sticking the the, the whiskers to it and everything. It was pretty amazing. You want to talk about scary? I was at that show. It's the one time in my life I was dressed in drag. Ooh, that is scary. Do you have that beard? No, I was oh. clean shaven. Oh, you're trying to look good, huh? I was. I thought so. <laughs> I got some compliments. No, yeah, you, you looked your best, then. I think you were only uh, 270 pounds then. Yeah, I was definitely lighter then. Okay, now uh, Harvest Festival. All right, first of all, I'm a big Bob Weir fan. Really? Um, yeah, Rat Dog played there, and not only did you sit in with them, you you kind of saved the show. Believe me, I love Bob Weir. I'm not. Oh, in the, I, I know what I'm you're not talking in the, about. I'm not in the uh, industry of bad mouthing Bob Weir. I, I, I keep up with him. I, I love all Bob these, Weir too. He's I, a, he's all a, of his music. He's someone so relentlessly inventive. I love watching him play. He can turn boring when I paint my yeah, but he's into yeah. something intriguing. But he was not on his game there. No. And when you was came this? out and Harvest saved Fest the show? Harvest Fest Harvest Fest Harvest. Oh, I remember that show. That was the year of the hurricane. That show. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank I, you. Hey, you know speak, what? Bob Weir, Bob Weir bought my house. No way. Explain. Bob, Bob, Weir, Bob Weir paid for my house. Um, we did a... We, that was back... We did two summers. One was with him and Rat Dog, and one was with um, with uh, the, the Almond Brothers. And we were paid way more than we were worth. And God bless him. I literally doubled everybody's pay that summer. I had a bus so I could bring my family along. And still was able to save enough money to eventually buy a house. When he had you sit in, how much direction did you get, and how much did he say, "Just go, just blow"? Here's the key, blow. Oh yeah, he, no, those guys don't give direction. Nothing. The at all. the 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 the, uh, the Grateful Dead guys don't give direction. Where's the phone in here? Well, uh, we'll we'll hurry through it. We're almost done. You we're almost go. done. Carl Denson Trio. Carl Denson. We have three Bear Creeks. Uh, the Bear Creeks were always great. Well, you, you're the Bear Creek Jam Cruise Bear Creek, Jazz though, Fest dude, circle there. Bear Creek was just... All I can remember about Bear Creek Burr. is cold. <laughs> yeah. That place. Uh, yeah. That, that, the, what is it? October when they do that? Yeah, yeah. It was October in Swanee, and that place was so freaking cold. Yeah, they put like you out there. and every, you'd be, I don't know how, you, how the horn we'd be out, Yeah, we'd be play. out in the middle of a field. Gigantic 20 degrees, field. ice coming off your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those were gnarly. But I, so 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 those are those those gigs. I'm sure what you're going to get out of those gigs is we're trying really hard. <laughs> right. So I, while we're doing this, I want to just throw one thing. I remember the first time I saw you to go way back to I want to say it was I want to say 1998. You remember the Latchwell Harvest Fest? Here's the thing: you were billed not as Carl Denson's Tiny Universe. You were billed as Grey Boy All Stars, and and here you are right before James Brown set. And you're tearing it up. I mean, we would not let you off the stage. Everyone was going berserk. It was they just, kept pushing you back. Yeah, up. and you so you kept playing, and you got the okay from but the festival. You got the okay from the festival, but they ended up pushing James Brown <laughs> like thirty minutes so you could keep playing. And I'm telling you, it was like it changed. It probably one of the reasons why I'm in this business. The hardest yeah. working man in show business on that night was the most patient man in show yes, business. Yes, that's right. 
but that's, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's, you made that's, people wait for James Brown, dude. And cool. now you're playing I, the Rolling I'm, Stones. I'm, I'm going to apologize right now. I, I mean, <laughs> Tell I, Jagger that one. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that was the case. But yeah, we had a good time. And, and, and James man. was amazing that night, too. Yeah. The last disc is from just a year ago. You did the Stones set uh-huh. at, at, um, in New Orleans, Joy Theater, I think. And at the end of it, it's just a few days from... actually. I'm, oh, Chris Mule's on here, yeah. I don't expect you to remember this, but the last time I saw you... Which was at the Fox Theater just a few days before that. Uh huh. Hmm. We had just arranged. We were going to interview you at the end of the show, and they were just going off Fox the Theater. Or you and I were in a room, just the two of us. I don't. I know you, you're all traveling all over the world. I don't expect you to remember this, but so of course the interview didn't happen because of what happened. Right. You said some really cool things. You know, he went out like a rock. I mean, you kind of seemed to get it right away that it was a tragedy, but there was beauty within the tragedy. You mean of of Hampton seventy of that night? But it was a tough night. It's such a roller coaster. Such joy all day, dude. That was that was the one of the. You know, I've never been much about. I'm not a funeral guy. I'm not. I don't. I don't really do death very well. Just by my natural tendency to avoid things. But um, that was the closest I've been to something like that, where it was somebody close to me, and um, at the and, and the beauty of it was what was really startling, was because I mean literally everybody that I talked to who knew him had spent some great quality time with him in the last few days, you know, like everybody, like literally, I was just like, how did he do all that? You know, like everybody had a lunch or a dinner or something with him that was close to him right there. And I got to spend some great hours with him, you know, in the, in that, in that day and a half. And, and then, and then he took a powder, like in the encore, didn't even interrupt the show. It was like the baddest shit I've ever seen in my life, you know? And so, I mean, we're walking out right after he had collapsed backstage and they had said, everybody out of here. Right, EMT's coming. Me and me and uh, and uh, Fishman were walking out the back door, and Fishman looks at me and goes, "He goes, man. He goes, I don't want to be that guy, but wouldn't it just be like him to go like this? And I to go there, and I go, I go, yeah. Let's hope he, it's not the case. But you know, then in the morning, I texted Fishman like he went there. You know, like it was the most poignant." story i've ever seen had he ever talked to you about greece the the, the country the idea <laughs> of passing around stage getting the ultimate version of getting greece no what is greece uh, that's what kind of a it's an elusive thing that yeah but. he's he's been quoted to say it though before he sees a, uh, there's an old uh, from like i think when i say the late 70s early 70s where he talks about achieving greece and and the ultimate examples to i mean it's just and he, and he talks about that in the 70s mm-hmm. yeah Wow. Yeah. And, I know, and, dude. It's, I'll forward you the interview. It's, it's actually like, it's, it, you read it and you're like, your, your hair goes I'm not saying he induced it, but I feel like he knew he was coming. I don't know. Have you ever no, seen someone you know have a heart what, attack? You know what, that, I mean, that was kind of his thing, though, was the the, the yeah. prescience and the, and the you know, like the, 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 the spirituality of like being in tune with all of that stuff that's going on. Right. Like that's what he was really all about. And he never so, reached out for help. So, so that's what made sense, you yeah. know? For him to go like that was that he was that guy that would that knew what was up. Right. He wasn't you know? reaching out for help. I'm in trouble. Help me. He curled up as always, taking the greatest nap ever. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah, for your time. And, and we and pushed it. Uh, this last CD is of uh, your show tonight, where you're actually um, 
covering the Almond Brothers. Is this right? Yeah, peaches? yeah. What's Bucket going on with peaches. that? Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. Well, then he's <laughs> weaving it in. That's what I like is that you'll you when you do these theme shows, you also weave your own music in. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna definitely. It's about half and half. You know, we're we're definitely trying to trying to do what we do, and 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 I'm just trying to get the band and myself. You know, we're just learning stuff. You know, we're always learning. So it's it's just. A fun process, man. That's 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 what music's all about, and, mm-hmm. and we're just kind of continuing on. I, I I told the guys a couple of days ago. I've been working on my jazz playing, and and I'm I I've, I've been I've been learning so much that I I said uh, I said uh, I think I'm gonna die soon because I'm I'm getting too close to actually understanding this whole thing. You know, like <laughs> <What's up now? laughs> like it's kind of you know it's kind of the same idea with when I when I went to go do the Stones. Hopefully, I'm. I'm incorrect, but it's just that feeling of like, wow, I could actually like, you know, feel like I'm I'm developing some kind of mastery of something, you know, because I'm up to this point, it's been really, you know, fumbling around in the dark, you know, and I and I'm starting to feel like I really am understanding something that's gonna like mature into a complete thing, you know. I, yeah, I've been, and it will, but the complete thing also is your teaching. I mean, you are you are you're carrying the torch and a lot of people are learning from you how healthy living I mean we can go on and on about that sort of stuff but you you're an inspiration to a lot of musicians and you're you're, you're yes. someone they can look up to I mean slightly stupid's a great example DJ Williams all the way everyone I mean yeah, just yeah. you know you, you really do and you take time with show musicians people. too I've heard. you show people about family you show people yeah, how man, you can have I'm, a family I'm, be on the know, road I had, and, I, had a, I had a good I had a very good upbringing and I'm and I'm not mad at anybody and I'm very happy with my life and and you know I'm trying to give some positive vibes out you know like i'm not i'm not angry about anything so i I realized that years ago i was like you know like i like i I was kind of a punk when i was a kid you know like when i was in in college because i i like the music but but i'm not mad at anybody so i i'm not trying to to portray any of that i'm trying to portray really my joy of life and 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 um you know and love of people so you know, hopefully that's coming across. Yeah. Do you well, think it's at all odd? You're a huge jazz fan, a jazz drummer that you admired, that you spoke with shortly after turning down the Anita Baker job, is the one that kind of inspired you to maybe stretch beyond jazz in order to make a living in all this music. And that's how you met Lenny, and that's how you get the Stones. Is that ever thinking that a jazz musician discouraging you from jazz ultimately is a branch to where you are now? I mean, that is a heavy, bizarre. That's just the well, music. yeah. I mean, I, but you know what? It didn't. It didn't deter my my love of jazz. That's that was the thing. It was just. It kind of made it just clear what what the parameters of life were. Right. You know, the reality. Yeah, the music. The, the realities of it. Yeah, and 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 you can you know it's hard. Jazz is a hard business, you know, and and I still struggle with the fact that I'm I'm. You know, like when, when I'm talking to my manager sometimes and we're finishing up a record and he's like, I think we should shorten these songs or we should do this or that. And I'm like, dude, it's a jazz record. I'm going to have solos on it. And he's like, no, it's a rock record. No, it's a jazz record. I'm a jazz artist, but I play rock and roll sometimes. Right. You know, it's like I'm I'm always struggling with that whole identity, but not so much as I get older because I just want to leave something that's good now. So that wasn't part of the delay of this most recent CD at all, that kind of distinction? No, no, okay. no, no. It's really, man, for me right now, it's just I'm... I'm I'm a I'm a writer, you know. I love writing. That's I consider myself more a writer than a player, you know. So the writing part was really what was the challenge, you know. I wrote a bunch of tunes and realized I got to write lyrics, and then I started writing with people, and that didn't work, and and um and so I had to do it myself, and you know. But I did find some great teamwork along the way, like like a couple of songs on the record. I Anders helped me write, 
and uh, and I'm definitely going to write with him some more because he's perfect for where I come from because I, I I have some weird ideas and a lot of people get confused by it and Anders just kind of steamrolls through everything in his normal way and finds the 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 kernels you know have Mick or Keith heard Anders play huh Mick or Keith heard Anders because you were giving him I don't think so well listen he's out of time we're going to do a part two with you at some point because yeah when you do your jazz tour yeah yeah time. thank Carl you for your time, trio Carl. tour yeah we need to talk about politics sometime you yeah. know like I'd like to get into <laughs> what's going on now because I think it's important for people to start talking to each other a little bit more okay. civilly and uh, openly and, and well we have an opportunity if you want um, so ironically remember Jeff Jeff Kasky who you know from Jam Cruise his son is uh-huh. the one of the uh one of the students from Stoneman Douglas, and he wants to be on the show, and we're looking for an artist to pair him with. Yeah. So just kind of throw well, him that he out. He wants to be what? He wants to do, do wants the to podcast. do some of the show music-related. Mm-hmm. So we, He's one of the kids from the school. It'll be an interesting conversation. One of the students from really? Stoneman Douglas. Yeah. I would love that, Yeah. Man. All right, we can do a call-in on that one. Or I would, I would love that. I, yeah, I just, I, I, I dedicated, a, um, the you know, the song The Bridge. Yeah. A couple weeks ago when they did the walk on uh, yeah, on Washington, March, yeah. I, I, I dedicated our encore to them. And literally singing my own song, I got choked up because it's so it's such a big deal yeah. what's going on right well, now. Well, let's do that. What did you say his favorite band was? I don't know. He did, the kid. He had a favorite band, but we, uh, we'll figure it out. Talk okay. It? No, we'll figure it out. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you. you guys so much. Thanks for being patient with us. How about that, Rob Turner, the rock and roll legend himself, Mr. Carl Denson? And you know the parking trick I pulled off that day? Did you pick up on the parking trick? I did. He got his coffee. And by the way. Yeah, I was like, you guys want mm-hmm. coffee? I'll pay for coffee. You know, I ended up paying, what, $15 for coffee, which is about what I would have paid for parking, and just left the car in the lot and walked across the street. Ugh, Atlanta. Atlanta smats. That's my Atlanta smats. Rob pulling one off on the Atlanta. Good job, Rob. So we have some great episodes coming up. Great, Scots. John, not Joe Stickley. Oh, that's going to be tough to edit that one for me. 
<laughs> that was a whole that whole day interviewing Stickley. Uh, we had to find a place. We ended up doing it on a porch outside oh, of Arden's yeah. garden. Yeah, but that was nice. Though the weather was so and nice, then, spring weather. And then I'm hanging posters for our live event and texts and getting receiving nasty, angry texts from Seth about how irresponsible I am. Then I show up. He can't get the equipment to work. We sit there staring at him. He's got a world class musician sitting in the uh, Georgia heat, staring at him while he can't get the equipment it to work. Hot After yet, he it was told spring. me, it was beautiful, uh, it bitched me out for being late. Had you been there, I would have had the help I needed. I can't help you with that shit. Yeah, it's true. I make the interview sound good, you know. Research-wise. Yeah. If you don't make them look good, thank God there's no camera. That's true. If it was a TV show, as I've said, our engineers would probably be the hosts, because we have much better-looking engineers than we do hosts. And Robert Kwan is available, ladies. If you don't know what he looks like, that's okay. He's Dude. shredded. He's shredded like cheddar on your nachos before you cook them. Um, but there's also... But there's more. Yeah, we have that. We, we sat down with... Um, Nick and uh, Nick from Big Something and Mike from Voodoo Visionary. Who was playing this weekend? Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're doing like the can- oh, no, they Virginia Highlands. Virginia Highlands, yeah. Which used to be a, a bigger deal. I don't know. I didn't even mm. know about. I mean, freaking Kung Fu is playing there. I didn't know that t- since till yesterday. I would have planned to be there. You would have been. You would have planned on doing an interview. I didn't even know about CBDB coming to Terminal West. Well, I had a, I had that as July. But anyway, our, our guest. One of these bands tell us. You know, pay attention. You come to Atlanta, let us know. That would Whether require we, that would require them to have a publicist that actually is a pip. Yeah, we need no pip is bad. Oh, pip is pip. They pop. are pips. Never mind. Yeah, right. We need pops. Oh, which, by God, the way, that's weird. You say pop and you pop your pee. Pop. Is that? <laughs> I pop my pee when I say pop. Uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a that's a pity pop. There's a word for that. It's a pity. It's like when Jerry says "shine on" and it sounds like "shining." Mm. There's a word for that. I forget alliteration. No, I don't know. Well, folks, I uh, encourage you, if you are at uh, Firefly or Electric Horse, please come by the work exchange team uh, booth and ask for for me. And I'd like to uh, introduce you, say hello. And, um, and Seth will help you get wet. I will. I'll tell you all about it. Um, but more so than that, uh, we'll have some free stuff to give away, koozies and different things like that. So if you're a fan, come by, say hi, get a, get a surprise. And uh, if Rob's there, Rob's going to do a kissing booth for you, ladies. Well, I have to go north in July. Ooh, go north. I have a house. I'm doing house sitting in Massachusetts. Oh, really? Yes, and Radiohead is there when I'm there. Rob always finds the most convenient time. Oh, never mind. No, my sister's traveling. I'm house sitting. Hello. 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 Wait, one date? If I I was going for a convenient time, I'd go in the bar, brothers. (laughs) Come on. Thank you. Oh, by the way, finally, we had an O'Teal interview, and he did call, but uh, we were unable to interview. What do you mean? He did end up calling? I thought we didn't uh, run out of time. I told his publicist we weren't going to be able to do it because it was that afternoon, and and there was no time structured, and I think he just was planning on calling, and there's a voicemail on my answer machine that's, Hey, Seth, it's O'Teal. What the fuck? You've been asking me to do this interview for months. I finally get off, and I'm doing it for you. Where are you? He didn't say that. He wouldn't say that. Fuck that Turner, he said. Fuck that Turner. <laughs> that he might have said. <laughs> no, but I, I, I literally... He's been uh, avoiding us. <laughs> we finally get the interview, and we don't even do it. But we'll be at Dead & Company tomorrow, so maybe we'll not do it there either. Phone interviews suck. But O'Teal, we would have we done it and put out a tweener or something. But yeah, if you want your own episode, you got to sit down with us. Yeah, Look us right, right in the eye. Maybe hold our hand. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We encourage you again, as we said in the start of the show, go to OsirisPod.com as well as InsideOutWTNS.com. Sign up for the newsletters on both. Check out the other podcasts in Osiris. There's some really, really good ones. And I do also ask that if you if you like the show and you're listening this far, and I say it every time at this point of the inter- of the show... 
go onto iTunes and leave us a, a rating and a comment or whatever you call it because it really helps boost the show. So and, it, and if you're a couch chair person or if you just like little tidbits of music from time to time, follow me on Twitter, R-S-T-N-E-R. That's at R-S-T-N-E-R. I'm not on Facebook or any other social media. You're on the at Inside Out WTNS, which Sometimes. is good enough. Sometimes. Harris is on there. We, that's a few people. R-S-T-N-E-R is me. And, and if you... Do put him if you do accept him. I encourage you to engage in a conversation with him and then block him because he loves that. Yeah, and don't keep your extremist, uncompromising political opinions to yourself. Oh, speaking of political opinions, I don't have one, but I do have something to say to our listeners. Yes, take good care of yourselves, folks. Take good care of your friends. Love the ones around you. Send some love this summer. Be smart. Be safe. And seriously, take care of yourselves. And if in your state you can still register, check it out at headcount.org. But let's vote in this election. Let's not com- not vote and then complain about the results. Let's vote, especially you young folks. I'm not telling you who to vote for. Just register, inform yourself, and vote.